When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. You're blood-related. You'd think it would be fine to share food in the fridge. I mean, who writes their name on every individually wrapped slice of cheese, Tyler? Still, you've got to admire the commitment. So bundle your renters and car insurance with Progressive and use the savings to help you move out and have all the cheese you want. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for another bonus episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast. The new horror film, The Retaliators, came out this weekend. And if you don't know anything about it, it's described as an upstanding pastor who uncovers a dark and twisted underworld as he searches for answers surrounding his daughter's brutal murder. And the film and soundtrack are filled with rock stars including Five Finger Death Punch, Tommy Lee, Papa Roach, The Who, Ice Nine Kills, Escape the Fate, and more. And I've already sat down with Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch and Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach, who makes his acting debut in The Retaliators, to talk about the movie. Well, on this episode, you're getting a little bit of everything. First, through an interpreter, I talked to the Mongolian band The Who, who are out on the road with Five Finger Death Punch, Megadeth, and Fire from the Gods. They describe their music as a new genre called Hunu Rock, which blends hard rock and heavy metal and traditional Mongolian instruments and Mongolian throat singing. Their music is featured on the soundtrack of The Retaliators, and the band also appears in the film. The second part of this bonus episode features star and producer of the movie, Michael Lombardi, who you may recognize from his role on Rescue Me. And it also features music icon Alan Kovac, who has been behind some of the biggest music careers in history. You may not know his name, but you know the artist that he works with. And he's already found a way to blend rock and roll and film together with the Motley Crue film The Dirt, among others. If you want to go back and listen to the first Retaliator special featuring Zoltan Bathory and Jacoby Shaddix, the link is in the show notes of this episode. So allow me to first introduce you to The Who. Hey 
Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Thank you for sitting down and talking to me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for uh, having us also. There's a lot going on with the band right now. You release a new album. You go out on the road with Five Finger Death Punch, and The Retaliators is coming out. Яг <laughs> Uh, yes, so, uh, you know, the experience is so uh, pleasant so far. And, uh, you know, it's like a lot of hard works. And uh, as you said, we're going on a tour with the Five Finger Death Punch and also Legendary uh, Mega Death. And, uh, you know, also the movie premiere is today. So uh, we're so excited and can't wait for it. And also uh, our band member, Jaya played on it like he played as a, one of the character on the movie so it's just so exciting news for us does he get killed or is he killing people or can you not say uh, <laughs> well it's overall kind of like you know it's uh, like a thought. <laughs> The guy who's like getting uh, punished, kind of thing. Heavy metal and hard rock has always been a place that welcomes everyone. Is the Who surprised at how welcomed and loved their music is because it's so different from what would be traditional here? Heavy metal is from hard rock. We want 
Right, uh, yes, uh, it's an amazing experience because, you know, like, uh, not just as a new band, uh, we came up with the new genre to this world stage, and that is called uh, Hunu Rock Genre. And also, like, even though we do rock, we also, like, uh, mixed it with our traditional instruments and music such as that. So, like, maybe from that perspective, like, I think people loved it because it was, like, like a fresh like a fresh air, like fresh breath for everyone. So, growing up, what music inspired you to want to become musicians? Was it rock and roll from the U.S. or Europe, or was it music from home that made you want to become musicians in the first place? <laughs> Magu Americas American rock and roll or Anglo rock and roll or also Magu Mongolian Mikhantel Stanislav Sostimovist and Kuchin Batmanikson. Timber. Right, uh, uh, all of our members are professional musicians, so, uh, you know, like, ever since we were born, or you could say, uh, we were so close with music, so, uh, when we were, uh, going to school and, like, growing up, uh, we used to listen, like, a lot of different genres, not just rock, like, pop, hip-hop, and everything, so, like, from that perspective, uh, you know, uh, we were so close with music, and I was so working hard on it. Does it run in the family? Do their parents, grandparents, are they musicians as well? Yeah, uh, for Temka, their parents are uh, musicians. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, so uh, for Gala, their parents were like military people, but uh, his ha- dad has a talent, his mother has a talent of singing, and I also like... Her... 
So his uh, great-grandfather from father's side used to sing well, like really good. And uh, great-grandfather from the mother's side, he used to play uh, modern horn, the horse and fiddle. So maybe it passed down to him. So. Alright, uh, so uh, for Inkush, his mom, she also had like really great talent for singing and he, his dad had a, also like a talent for singing and playing instruments such as that. And also his uh, great-great-grandfather from his uh, mother's side, he also was like a like really, you know, really good composer. Oh, composer. Okay. He was a composer. Yeah. <laughs> So for Jaya, also both of their parents had a really great talent for uh, music, such as like his dad. He used to like uh, play uh, like music in the military. Then he like later on he changed it to like a professional, like an artist kind of thing. And his mother side. Also, like, you know, she used to play, like, guitar and such as things, and also she could sing. So, uh, overall, his parents were just, you know, really talented. I talk to a lot of musicians, and it's very common that it runs in the family. But ironically mm -hmm. enough, it's also very common that there's military service in the family of musicians as well. And I'm not sure why that continues to come up, but it's very common. Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach included. Mm. Not sure why military and music goes together. Yeah, I think it's so Alright, uh, so the music itself is usually called like a health military because like for for us we uh did this music for like you know we started it for like 20 like more than 20 years so like 
it's just like military you have to be like uh really uh patient takes a lot of skills so like a lot of time to learn our skills and such as things so like you like from that perspective i think it is why it's like really connected with it that's why this journey and this uh these tours tours we do like this like many days that we're going through i think from uh from like that the patience we had before kind of helps us to like go through it you know like be more tough you know like Cause like we're always on the road, so like like a lot of things happen, and you know like this past experience just helps us. Always to... away from your family as well. I'm not good with this hot Yeah, yes, of course. I do not have musical ability at all, and my voice is not a singing voice. But I'm fascinated by your singing style. Can you explain how you actually do it and what makes it different from other styles of singing? Between <coughs> Right, um, you could say uh, our singing is unique because, like, uh, we use throat singing on our music. So, like, the idea of like, uh, be, like using throat singing on our uh, main singing skill came from our producer Dashka. He wanted to be, he wanted this to be like, you know, uh, the main thing of our band, like singing everything in like throat singing. So, like. Like going this far using our uh, like throwing and skills and such as thing and you know being successful is like all thanks to him and I uh, you know like yeah so uh like probably the reason why we going like got this far is maybe that of the new rock and and also like you know uh, we we uh practice this throwing you know since young age during schools and such as things. So like it's a lot of hard work and a lot of patience. Is it possible for other singers to learn how to sing that way? Could Ivan or Dave Mustaine learn how to sing that way? Or does it require starting at an early age to develop the ability? I thought 
Right, uh, you know, as a, as a human being, everyone has a throat. So uh, if you just put a work into it and learn the the correct way to uh, throw sync, the techniques and skills, I think everyone, it's possible for everyone to learn uh, throat singing. So yeah. He's never heard me try to sing. So Jaya just said, uh, after like hearing your voice, it kind of sounds like it could be like really unique sound might come out from you. And and off key. And we know it's he said, uh, "Them boys don't do it in funny way." <laughs> <laughs> when bands are on tour and they run out of guitar strings or drum heads, it's pretty easy for them to get a hold of whatever they need to stay out on the road. How do they maintain their instruments? Is it common or easy for them to be able to fix them or get strings, or does it all have to come from home and be on the road with them? Alright, uh, so uh, our the instruments that we play, you know, the Marine Four horse fiddle. It's it's really unique instrument, and uh, it has only two strings, and uh, it's the the we change the strings like once in a like what else is it? ミスハルスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハルミスハル
Do you think Zoltan could learn how to shred on it? Zoltan didn't be a shredded son, so Chapman is of Chenna. He said, uh, I think so, maybe about uh, in 20 years later. They must tell us I was interested. 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 They must stay also like him to our uh, dressing room and uh, try to play it. And uh, like Inkus just said that uh, like if you could understand the soul of the music, he thinks that anyone can learn the instrument. So uh, yeah, you just got to put a work onto it. And also like this instrument with the string is like really hard to learn specifically. And also uh, they said, Back in the days, uh, on uh, fiddle, they used to uh, use horsetail. They used to use horsetail for the strings, but these days it's a different material. What is it like to be in a country that's never heard your style of music before and doesn't speak your language, and to see the amazing response coming from the audience and how much they love it? Шууд айлгадаг. Нэгдүгээрт энэ утгаар одоо ингээд хүний сэтгэл зүрх нь төрж байгаа. Тэгээд Монгол хөгжим дуу хөгжим бас нэг сайхан онцлог чанар байна. Маш гоё айлгуутай байдаг. Тэм учраас хүмүүст одоо ингээд хүрхтэй одоо шууд төр айлгуу одоо өөрийнхөө одоо эдгээр сүнслэг чанараараа шууд ингээд хүрчдэг. Тэгэхээр тэнд бол нэг хэл мэл нь одоо яг юу гэдэг аа одоо бас их тэр хүмүүс нэг сонин биш одоо хамгийн сүлд тавигч штэ хил нь хил нь одоо яг ямар утгатай байгаа юм болоо гэдэг зүйл бол тэгээд өвөрмөц одоо юм ой дуултаар өвөрмөц дуултаар аяр аялгуугаар өвөрмөц хөгжмөөр өвөрмөц хэмнэлнээр ингээд илэрхийлж ингээд манай фэнүүдийн хавд одоо ингээд баш сайхан хүлээж авч байгаа шүү тэгээд манай хүнүүр окмен өөрийн одоо онцлог байна энэ өөрийн гэсэн хөгтэй өөрийн гэсэн хөгжмийн онцлогтой өөрийн гэсэн дуултай арга бодолтой тий тэгээд монгол хэлээрээ дуулдаг амшгой зөөлнөөр ингэж тоо чинээ юм хүчтэй дуу байвч одоо ингэж их гой зөөлнөөр хүнд ингэж хүртдэг нь бас ингэж хүмүүсийн одоо таашаалаа хүртдэг шүү дээ. Ара ин ава мюзик хэс нэ баундрис. Я хаджис хэс уон лэнгвич. Сэ лайк анивэн кэн лайк лисэн энд фил ит ивэн дэ дэй донт андерстэнд ауэр лэнгвич энд алсо ин ава пипл рилли лайк апрешиэйт ауэр мюзик кэс лайк our music is like really spiritual and uh it's like really different feeling because we use our uh traditional instruments such as like you know marine floor tough shore and also uh the tour things like that because from that perspective it could like touch like heart to heart like like soul to soul so uh 
also our uh this new genre the hunu rock genre has like real like new tone on it so uh it reaches to people like really in different way so uh from that i think that's why people love it so like for that also like we're really happy and uh so honored by it well i love it and i'm gonna see the band for the first time this sunday so i'm very excited when the tour is here in massachusetts yeah. So I will see you on Sunday. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, that's part one of this bonus episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast. I think that's the first time I've ever interviewed someone on the show via an interpreter. And if you want to hear The Who's music, check the corresponding playlist for this episode. It's linked in the show notes. Here's part two of the episode featuring producers Alan Kovac and actor and producer Michael Lombardi. Hi, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Awesome. It's great meeting you. It's a pleasure to meet you, Alan. I feel like I know you because there are so many bands that you work with that I either know, have played on the air over the years, have seen live, interviewed, that like I feel like you and I should be friends already. Uh, I, after that, I think we should get married. <laughs> I think my husband <laughs> might have a problem with that. I think my wife would have the yeah. same issue. And Michael, <laughs> I feel like I know you already because... Um, Dennis Leary is a local hero here, and I and I grew up in a firefighter family, so Rescue mm. Me was like, when I found out you were in this movie, I was like, oh my God, I love him. Oh, thank you so much. Where are you? Uh, just outside of Worcester, his hometown, just outside of Boston. Gonna, yeah, Worcester, Mass, huh? His yeah. dad was a mechanic there, you know? He grew up pretty... Pretty hardcore, Dennis. He's a great guy. He's a he's a guy's guy, and he does a lot for the firefighting community. I've learned a lot from him. He's a he's a hardworking guy, and and people, Alan, tell me if you find this to be true as well that dealing with people that are from this region of the country is a little bit different than dealing with people from anywhere else. New Englanders are um, an acquired taste. Uh, yeah, you know, it, I think the England part is uh, somewhere in there the heritage uh, yeah. but yeah it's an acquired taste and you've got to get used to it but it's a wonderful place to live and very passionate when it comes to love of of rock music specifically like when we love you we love you forever gotta love that <laughs> It's always been a theory of mine that like athletes always want to be musicians. Musicians always want to be actors. Actors always want to be musicians. Michael, you are a musician and this movie is filled with them. Yeah. What an experience for me. Yeah. I had a band when I was younger and, you know, I went acting full time, but I, my love of music and performing has always been there. So in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, I had a little record deal. Uh, with MySpace Records at the time, they had a record label. So it's pretty crazy how it's come full circle because then I get to, I've gotten to work with all Alan's incredible roster and communicated on that level and as actors, and we're mixing the two here. So it really served me, I think, having all that experience. And also uh, the writers, uh, 
were musicians that were also artists, music yeah. artists. And horror and rock music goes so well together anyway. Yeah. Alice yeah. Cooper, uh, and on we go from there. Yeah. Uh, recently, I talked to Zoltan from Five Finger Death Punch, and I also talked to Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach, who's making his acting debut. First thing, perfect casting, making Tommy Lee a strip club DJ. Whose decision was that? Give them a raise. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I think, Alan and I, go ahead. I, I think the casting decisions were... Uh, based on the personality. Yeah. And uh, I, I think Tommy spent a lot of time in strip clubs and moonlights as a DJ, so it couldn't have been a more perfect role for him. One of the things Alan and I talked about, we wanted to make a film first, and we wanted to have a symbiotic relationship between the genre audience or whoever goes to see this film and then the built-in core audience. But our goal was to rake, make a real movie so we were careful in the way that we placed the musicians. We talked a lot about where they would be, where they would be cast, where they would shine. And, uh, you know, they're, they're storytellers uh, in life anyway. Just by nature, they tell with a song. But in this case, maybe just had to pull in a little bit, have it behind the eyes a little more. But every night, and Alan always says this, they're, they're actors. They're telling stories. And whether it's through their instrument or as a lead singer. So they were all incredible in this. And our goal was, hey, if you didn't know that that was uh, 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 of the band Papa Roach or Five Finger Death Punch, you'd just think they were actors in the film. And then yet they have an amazing song in the film as well. Well, Jacoby's definitely got the acting bug. When I talked to him, he was like, I don't think this is going to be the last time I do acting. Well, we got him an agent. So all he's got to do is make the time. Uh, he, he <laughs> In his prep and his role, and I knew he would be, uh, same way we know that they're going to deliver great records and they're going to have great performances. And he is definitely a extroverted uh, front man. So this worked very well for him and us. He also described Zoltan and Ivan specifically his performance as, you know, really bringing out kind of the twisted parts of Ivan's personality in this role as well. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot more to go through, but yes, you, know, you <laughs> see some of what uh, the crew and management and everyone else goes through, but that's what makes Ivan great. You know, Ivan is so passionate about everything he does, and it's uh, great to see him in a film play that angry uh, brother. Uh, it was great to see him uh, excel in the role. Alan, out of all the artists you have, does anyone have more of an overactive work ethic than Zoltan Bathory? <laughs> uh, probably Nikki Six. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he he and Zoltan share a lot of the same traits, and they love being entrepreneurial, and every day there's a whole new thing going on. So Nikki's got another book he's writing, got a uh, TV show he's developing, he's got a a uh, musical he's going to try to get going again uh, once uh, musicals start touring again. Uh, so he's he's an amazing character, and they're both real, true, multi-talented artists. So when you have that talent and you only have one outlet, 
it makes them it makes it hard for them to be as creative as they can be. So when it comes to putting a film together that's full of rock stars and a horror film that needs to hold up against the massive Hollywood movie studios, um, is there a better way to promote a film than an accidental penis selfie from Tommy Lee on Instagram? Like, do you just go, thank you? Well, with Tommy, I, I think you know that that's been a reoccurring theme over the decades. So for us, it's like, okay, what's going to happen next? And, you know, that train wreck uh, develops and then you get uh, everyone very freaked out. And then you bring them back home by saying, well, why is this freaking you out if you've seen it uh, go a lot further (laughs) and a lot deeper? So don't worry about it. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Yeah, That's funny. Tommy, at the end of the day, is Tommy's just a guy that lets it, and this this is going to be a little humor, lets it all hang out. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to add that I was going to take that Photoshop it and replace it with a machete. Well, Jacoby wants to Photoshop his head on the body. Tell Jacoby I think he needs to. <laughs> <laughs> Jacoby and I said that you can tell how old you are based on how many times you've seen Tommy Lee's penis break the internet. And so he and I are in that generation where we've seen it two to three times now. Well, there there you go. <laughs> Looking at the soundtrack of, of this film, there's not only a lot of established artists on there, but there's some up and coming artists like Eva Under Fire. And when you're talking about cameo appearances of musicians, I'm looking at it and it says, you know, Eva appears at the beginning of the film. And I'm like, does that mean she can't appear at the end of the film? <laughs> but she, she was killed off. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> You know, film and music uh, is something that I don't think is appreciated as much as it should be. If you look at what happened with Queen after the Queen movie or Motley Crue after The Dirt or Elton John or Stranger Things right now and Kate Bush, algorithms talk to each other. Social media algorithms, YouTube algorithms, uh, the film, the ticketing, and all that happens is a film gives another platform for an artist to be seen outside of their own audience. And what we were trying to create with the soundtrack in the film is to give up-and-coming artists and artists we already have a wider net than just being on streaming platforms and radio and YouTube. And it's really effective. And we, we just appreciate the artists being trusting us and doing it. Well, then there's artists like, you know, local guys, Ice Nine Kills, where their music is inspired by those classic horror films and the movies they grew up watching. So there's a love affair with horror there with Spencer and the guys in Ice Nine Kills that I think takes it over the top. Oh, big time. And his audience is important to us and our audience is important to him. They may not know who Five Finger Death Punch are, or they may not be fans of Ozark. They may not be fans of Game of Thrones or uh, Rescue Me, but they get an opportunity to bridge to those audiences by trusting us. 
you've been working in rock and roll now for so long and have worked with some of the most legendary artists in music history. What was it that inspired you growing up and where did your love of music come from that made you go, okay, that's what I want to do? Well, uh, honestly, uh, my dad died when I was 15 and he was ill um, when I was 14 and I had to get a job. So I put up posters for a company called Southwest Concerts that uh, did Frank Sinatra, Edie Gourmet, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. And I put up the posters. The guy would give me $15 a week in $1972. And uh, I give it to my mom. And then one day I see he's got a book called Talent and Booking and I start reading through it. And there's Bob Hope and there's Frank Sinatra, but there's also Led Zeppelin, The Who, Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> all these bands I listen to. And I looked at him and I said, you should read the book, The Jefferson Airplane, The Who, Rolling Stones, one of these bands, you'll make a lot more money. Everyone in my high school listens to it. So he books the Jefferson Airplane, and it sells out the Houston Coliseum. And yeah. Oh, my God. My, uh, not to uh, give him another clue about what to book unless he gave me a real job. So then he gave me the real job of helping him uh, find the artists, and uh, that got me into the swing of things, so to speak. And uh, it, it really bothered my mother. Uh, it, it, she wanted me, I was president of student council and made straight A's. And I ended up going to the University of Oregon as opposed to uh, the kinds of schools she wanted me to go to. And I saw that they didn't have uh, much entertainment. So I booked an act called Tom Petty for $1,250 and it sold out. And then I booked Patti Smith, The Talking Heads, uh, Boston, just a ton of bands, Hall & Oates. And, you know, from there, I said, wow, I'm making more money doing this than a lawyer or a doctor would make and quit school. <laughs> Obviously, that was not, not a bad decision considering the career you've had. It took her... Uh, 30 years <laughs> to uh, get over it. But, you know, I bought her a few houses and uh, she liked those houses and she didn't drive, but she had a driver. <laughs> so she ended up saying, you know, this has been a great life. <laughs> yeah. My son dropping out of college is the best thing that ever happened to me. Those are not words a lot of moms say. No, she didn't like one year of college. <laughs> she thought that was a suicide pact for a career. Michael, growing up, what, what was the music that inspired you to become a musician? Who did you grow up loving? I love all the bands of the 90s. Chris Cornell, Audio Slave, Stone Temple Pilots, um, I, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Uh, but I was, my first concert that I ever went to, my parents actually took me to Stevie Wonder. So they were way into uh, R&B and uh, Motown. The mo this mo obviously Michael Jackson. This is when I'm going back when I was really young. But when I was able to go to concerts on my own, 
um, that that was that's when I hit my stride in high school and, and after uh, with those bands. I was able to see Chris Cornell um, acoustic set. Oh, for three those hours. shows were amazing. Yeah, it was a year. It was about eight months before, uh, you know, he died. And they were just he sang like an angel, that guy. There's so many people and I can't even count how many decades they've been saying it, that rock is dead. So, Alan, you're the perfect person for me to have this conversation with because you've been working in the rock world for so long and you've got so many amazing up and coming rock bands on the roster at the label and a lot of them featured in the soundtrack of this movie. What do you say to people that say rock is dead? It's 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 gone. The heyday is past. If it's dead, then you wouldn't have the predominant uh, artists that make money for Live Nation being rock. And it costs a lot more for a concert ticket and a T-shirt than it does to subscribe on streaming platforms or it costs to buy vinyl or a CD. Basically, rock isn't dead except for the major record companies. Uh, the independent labels that are mostly rock and uh, country alternative uh, R&B uh, have a market share that's 40%. Uh, that's as big as Warner and Sony combined. Uh, they've decided they need to make quarterly billing to keep their stocks up. And they want to manufacture music. You don't manufacture rock. A band woodsheds and plays and they play their own instruments it's not a mic with a bunch of songwriters and producers and effects it's real instruments with real lyrics that mean something to the singer and it's not a you know you, you the bottom line is it's because we have three major record companies and those major record companies get their bonuses by hitting quarters and the problem with incentives is they work. Uh, a rock band tours to grow their audience. Uh, these bands can't sell a ticket uh, many, many, many times more than one actually breaks. So whether it's hip hop or pop, the, uh, they're selling, which is about 80% of all their income it's to hit those quarters and it's really, really taken a toll on the culture of music uh, because it's not the real culture of music. It's their culture and people that follow that music eventually grow out of it, which is why you see the catalogs that are being purchased aren't predominantly hip hop and pop. They're predominantly rock and country and R and B and those are real artists with enduring music. And that's why I'm in that business. I, I was never in the business of manufactured artists. I watched a man who was doing Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra and Wayne Newton, and they all had the same writers and producers. Well, what happened to that music? It went away eventually when a generation rebelled. And there was a band called the Beatles, followed by the Stones, followed by the Who, and all of music changed. So this is a this is an epidemic created by major record companies only caring about money and not art. A lot of the same things are happening in rock radio too. Yes, 
absolutely. Uh, again, uh, they're all consolidated with uh, money people trying to make money as opposed to supporting the long-term vision of the radio station or the record company that they run. Before I let you go, you're you're working in the music business for years. Now you're getting into film, and this is a horror film filled with rock stars. But it's still business, so you still got to get in the conference room and sit around the table. What's the craziest problem that needed to be solved making the retaliators like a shortage of fake blood how do we get the severed head to work right like what conversation were you having where you were like this is really the meeting we're having right now michael uh i i think you're seeing where you go through the glass uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah there that there was- were a lot of them I want to say, too, you know what I can answer that by? I'll tell you this. Besides the challenges of making the film and the stunts and all the different challenges that you have to face from the the story that you loved on the page to get to the screen, that's COVID. COVID, COVID was so tough, as I know it was for everyone, but we faced shutdowns. The protocol was tremendous. The tests were really expensive because you had to have the quick turnaround. So it was really tough. A lot of shutdowns, reshoots, pickups, very expensive. And And also the supply chain of severed limbs, getting them on time. Well, (laughs) shipping them to four states. The real story of this is the dedication of the artists and the actors. This took two years to execute during COVID from March of 20. uh, We were the second to the last film that filmed uh, another film was filmed in Arizona and then the entire industry shut down. So we had the storyline of the film done, but we didn't have uh, some of the cameos. We didn't have uh, the horror and all of that. Michael was very impressive as a producer uh, working with our company to problem solution everything so we went from new jersey to uh connecticut and we shot in our hometown (laughs) we could control (laughs) and uh we ended up in california and then we ended up in nevada now throughout that any actor or artist could have said i'm done you know this has been two years i've got other things to do they all showed up And it was so inspiring to see everyone work together. We didn't lose one actor or one artist. Well, to me, as soon as Labor Day weekend is gone, it's Halloween to me until Thanksgiving. And so the fact that we've got new horror movies and all of this amazing stuff that's coming out, like I'm already decorating the house for the trick-or-treaters. So the fact that Retaliators is coming out this weekend, I am 100% in. Well, all right. Uh, Thank you for having us, and it's terrific that we finally met. Yeah, it was great to finally meet you guys, too, and I'm so excited about the movie, and also there's just such a long history of amazing and iconic uh, rock music soundtracks that go with films, especially films like this. So, you know, the fact that you were able to put this soundtrack and the movie together and to get it to come out in my favorite time of year, super excited. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. 
Thank you so Beautiful. much. Shout out to Ralph's Diner. I played there. Hell yeah. yes. <laughs> I drank a lot of tequila in college at Ralph's. I, I, I think I had fun there. I can't quite remember. It's <laughs> a great venue. Bye, guys. Right. Thank you so much. Bye. There they are, Alan Kovac and Michael Lombardi, the brain trust behind the new horror film, The Retaliators. If you're looking for Alan, Michael, the band The Who, more info on The Retaliators or the corresponding playlist for this episode, all of the links are in the show notes. You'll also find the link to episode 115 of the Mistress Carrie podcast, featuring Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch and Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach. And you'll find all the Mistress Carrie links there as well. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and follow the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Episode 119 featuring Nick Mason from Pink Floyd is available now. And you also get the Situation Report. The Sit Rep is all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment info every weekday in less than five minutes. You can also join me live on my official Facebook page every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And of course, you can listen to the Mistress Carrie radio show. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points.
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.